0: Good morning, I, we might need some training in like greeting, some of you got done with greeting way too quick, right, should we re-stand up and like greet somebody else, you, like no way, right, do not do that to me, all right, it won't, next time you have to go a little bit longer, maybe go beyond your one row, we continue and finish our series revealed this morning, And we had some goals this summer to do that. It's 11 weeks. This is the 11th week. We took 11 Old Testament stories because we wanted to recultivate your love for the Scriptures. Many Christians I talked to today, or at least self-proclaimed Christians, don't know their Bible or don't read it. And we wanted to specifically then focus in on the Old Testament and the richness of the Old Testament. Our second goal was to help you see a connection in the Old Testament. God did not randomly, just out of the blue, put a collection of stories for a nice storybook for you. He pulled together stories that, that are linked and that give you a, a, a directional sign pointing straight to Jesus Christ. And so it's the story before the story, and we wanted to do that. But thirdly, we had a third goal for this summer. We didn't want to just say challenge, we wanted to say something with a little bit stronger force, and that is, we charge you. That means you're charged to do the application of what you're learning in Scripture. It's one thing to know about God, it's another thing to be one that practices the things that He teaches. And, amen, wow, nice, I, got, I love this, i got a fired up section here. And share it. And so that was our goal this summer, and so we finish up this morning uh, with this story in G- uh, Daniel chapter three. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter three, you're more than welcome. If you don't have one? That's fine. Or you have a digital version of that? It's up to you. I want to tell you a story of, about some hunters, though, and I'm sure you have uh, don't even relate to this story at all. But uh, a bunch of guys were going to their north cabin for gun hunting season, and they had their traditions. We can't talk about those, but w- w- early morning on the opening of that day, they broke up into twos and they parted ways. Well, later that evening, it's kind of the assessment, right guys? It's the assessment of, of what, what, what has been taken. And so sure enough, one fellow waited on the porch for the last two guys to come in, and there, he saw this fellow dragon, one out of the twos, it was John, and John was pulling this big eight-point buck. And he couldn't see his partner Harry with him, and he shouts, he says, Hey, John, where, where's Harry? He said, Oh, he's got, uh, he had some sort of stroke about two miles past. He says, You're kidding me. Why did you leave him there? He said, I figured no one would steal him. That like so disturbing for some of you, right? You can't even give yourself permission to laugh at that. We bring with us in life what we value most. There are a lot of people today that they say they know God or they claim they're Christ followers but have left Him. You carry with you in your life what's most important. And it comes out in how you live your life. Think of President uh, Museveni, in 2012, he celebrated, he's Uganda's president, and he celebrated the 50th anniversary of their independence. Upon the influence of a pastor in his life and his relationship with God, listen to what he says to the nation. I stand here today to repent of the sins of my sins and the evils of our past. He'll go on to talk about their pride and their and their irresponsibility or sins of corruption, bribery, laziness, sectarianism, tribalism, bitterness, he goes on of the sins of injustice to his nation. And then to end it, he says next I we want to dedicate this nation to you God so that you will be our guide. What do you think the worth is? for this president and his country. Isn't that the question for us this morning? Is, is, what is What is your faith worth? I mean, what is it worth to you? I mean, do you bring it with you or do you leave it behind and pick it up once in a while? No one's going to steal it. Do you try to pick it up every week and, ah, I'll just pick it back up on Sunday? And do you leave it on Sundays right here? I mean, what is your faith worth to you? In contrast to this president, listen to Donald Trump on the campaign trail when asked by a moderator if he's ever sought God's forgiveness. I'm not sure if I've ever asked God's forgiveness. I don't bring God into that picture. He clarifies because he goes to church. He says, well, when I go to church, I just get my little wine and my little cracker, and I guess it's a form of forgiveness. I do that as often as I can, but I feel cleansed. And then I say, "Hey, let's go on. Let's make it right." What do you think the worth of his faith is? You see, we're we're dragging something with us and it's the most important thing in your life. And what is it this morning? And the question I want to present to you that we're going to come back to at the end of this morning through this Daniel chapter 3 story is what is your faith worth? What does it really mean to you? I want to talk this morning about fire. Uh, I did everything in my power to try to have a massive prop here that was flames and everything in here, but there's no fire here this morning. Fire in the scriptures throughout your Bible has very powerful significance. Let me give you a couple uh, perspectives about fire. Fire largely represents God's work or presence. Anytime fire is mentioned, it's about God's work on one of two things. One, purifying. Often throughout the Bible, you'll read in Proverbs, you'll read in the prophet's language, is the, the refiner's fire. God's love is like fire that refines. John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, Jesus will baptize with the Spirit, and fire. Why? What is it about fire and purifying? Well, in the process back then with pure metals and especially gold, they would heat up gold to, uh, I think it's close to a thousand degrees, and to be able to scrape off the impurities. Because the, the, the metal experts at that time wanted to purify, not have anything else, any impurities mixed in. Jesus will say this, in Beatitudes, you will say, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. The word, the Greek word is kathros. It means unmixed. Fire, for those of us who know Christ, becomes an act of purification. A, a way to purify. The other way or symbol or work of God that's at work, not just purification, but it's also we would say destruction or wrath or anger and elimination. We see this picture of fire being described as, as what hell will be like. Or we see it in fire from heaven in Sodom and Gomorrah. We see it all throughout that, that God will burn up things that are impure. And so we see these two different acts or works of God in this symbol of fire. Another interesting word. We often say the word passion or we we talk about the passion of Christ, right? The week that that Jesus Christ, uh, His last week on earth and His crucifixion and resurrection, we call it the Passion Week. Do you realize some of the root Latin key words that make up this word passion are words called suffering? So a way to say it this morning is that we love things, the most important things that we love are the things that we'll probably suffer the most for. We are willing to walk through fire because of our passion. So this, this morning, I, I want to unpack for you some characteristics, but I want to stop for a moment and say I think many of us Christians struggle with this idea of fire. Is Where does it come from? I don't fully know if God starts the fires necessarily or does He allow us to enter fires. We know that Scripture says clearly He won't tempt you. God is not the tempter. But I do believe that God will allow for the testing of our faith. James says this, right? Half-brother of Jesus. James chapter 1. It's not if you have trials, it's when you have trials. Let them work their perfect work so that you have perseverance, and it says, so that it forms something in you. A different way to say this this morning is that we don't grow unless we have fires in our life. God knew that. And why is it then as Christians we struggle and are surprised when we have fire or a furnace set before us? 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to you to test you, as though something strange were happening. Why is this happening to me? A pastor said this week as I was listening to him that, that why is it just America is surprised by fiery trials? The rest of the world just knows that's what's a part of life. You realize every month, 322 people give their lives, die to say that I will not recant the name of Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. I'm taking Him. Yeah. 322 a month. Why is that so foreign to Americans? Ah, because we're used to comfort and we're used to, wait, a fire, somebody screwed up in the room. Who's in sin? Who's, who's doing something wrong? It couldn't be me. Someone else is messed up. And we think that the fiery ordeals that we have in our lives are somehow something's wrong when really God is doing His purifying work. 1 Corinthians three, twelve and 13. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or a straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring to it light and it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's faith. Do you recognize that that fire and furnaces placed before us in our life and struggle glorify and bring a testing to how much you really love God? It's an amazing thing to watch people on the television today that will stand up and say, I love Jesus Christ and will die for Him. Horrible that's going on. But I have to say to you, wow. 1 Peter 1.7 These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor When Jesus Christ is revealed. Your life will be put through a furnace here on earth. And when you know Christ, it is a purifying work that's only in the end. We're going to see this in a moment. Is going to bring glory to Him. It really isn't about you and I. It's about Him. And we're going to see that. And these are some, just for you this morning, to to, to kind of get you into this idea that fires aren't evil God could allow the evil one to set those fires God could even I think in some ways I do believe scriptures I think points to God at times testing us I don't quite know and can't explain it but I think he does but whatever they are this morning I want to give you five characteristics as Christians this morning I recognize some of you don't know God this morning and I want you to know you're welcome, and it's, it's totally fine. I'm not calling you out this morning. But if we're going to look at the two different functions of fire, furnaces, trials, for Christians, there are characteristics that we know that God's doing a work in us, a testing of our faith, a purifying of our faith. If we don't know God, that's a different picture, and I want to address that towards the end if you would allow me to. So five characteristics in Daniel chapter 3, and the story begins with Israel. Israel has been unfaithful to God. If we read all throughout the Old Testament, you're going to find that God keeps telling Israel, he, he gives them the Ten Commandments, we know that, but he does say one that he says over and over and over to Israel, do not break. Do not commit idolatry. Don't worship Anything else but me, anyone else but me, and Israel breaks that. Every time they break that, you find that God would allow, could we even say this morning and suggest, prompt another nation to come in and uh, takes and conquers Israel, conquers Jerusalem. We see that in Daniel chapter 1. In the third year, reign of Jehoiakim, king of uh, Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now what they would do in besieging at that time, especially Babylon, he would take everything worth anything, as far as articles and artifacts and gold, silver, all that. He took everything out of their holy temple. But here's an interesting note. He would take the smartest and the, the highest profile and most educated people of all their land and capture them. Because a way of conquering a nation was through assimilation and subjugation through assimilation. That meant they brought them back, and after a few years they would intermarry. After a few years they'd be a part of that culture. So this is what Babylon uh, has done to Israel. It's about 600 years uh, before Christ. And uh, it's across um, really from Israel. It's across kind of in the Iraq, Iran area of where Babylon is. And it says in verse 6 Among those who were chosen were some uh, from Judah Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. And so I want to show you what these names they gave them. Very interesting. Not only are they going to capture them and assimilate them, they're going to pick the best of the best and educate them, and then they're going to rename them, like the final slap in the face to the God that they were worshiping. And so they renamed Daniel, whose name was God is my judge, to Belteshazzar, which means Bel protects. This is the chief Babylonian God, Bel. Hananiah was, his name meant the Lord is gracious. They renamed him to Shadrach, which means Command of Aku, the Sumerian moon god. Mishael, who is what God is, they rename him to Meshach, who is what Aku is. And Azariah is his name, the Lord has helped. And Abednego, which means servant of Nabu, a Babylonian god of wisdom. Can you just see? It's the, the full humiliation that Babylon is giving uh, the nation of Israel, but trying to do to God. Now, I want to stop for a moment and talk about this because I want to address practical things in our world. We're we're in an election season, and ooh, it's just nice and juicy, right? So many things we want to talk about, but then you can't, and there's so much fear. And I want you to know that I feel that I need to say to you this this morning, and many of, of Pastors across the country would agree, it is in great times of adversity, the fire maybe that a nation is going through when the church and Jesus become famous. How is it in China, where their church has to go underground, that the church is flourishing? I mean, they don't even have a chance to vote, Right? And the church is flourishing. Friends, please do not fear anything that our government or world is going through. Fear the one that can change your soul. And that's Christ himself. That is who we need to honor and and understand in this fire, in this season. He is the one that sustains. And so what happens is, John 17, Jesus gives this prayer to the Father. He says, I don't want Christians, I'm paraphrasing here, To just huddle up every Sunday and act Christian and then hide throughout the week. I don't want people just to be heady Christians and know answers about God, but leave Harry on the trail somewhere and drag what's really important with them all week. What he said is, I want to leave you in the world. You're going to be different than the world. You don't act like the world, but you're going to be in that business that I place you. And oh yeah, it's going to be a furnace. I'm going to place you in that family. Oh yeah, and it's going to be a fire. I'm going to place you in that body that's not going to be really work really well and you're going to have a lot of health issues, but it's going to be a furnace that will purify your faith. I don't know why we struggle That God has placed us in the secular world to glorify Him. And therefore, I've had people come to me and say, Troy, i got a bad boss and he swears all the time and he's so immoral and all these things are going on. And, you know, I'll just say, well, maybe God's put you there. No, he couldn't have done that. Not this guy, you know. Maybe God is doing exactly what he wanted to do. He places us in fires, in furnaces. And I want to give you these five characteristics, this sacred and secular when they mix together. The last part of this is that at the end of the time set by the king, uh, he brings into service um, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now we're going to get to a scene in Daniel chapter 3. There's a couple other things that have happened. These guys have risen, been educated. They are a part of Babylonian sinful culture. Now what you'll notice about Daniel and these three, they're about 16 years old, but they're not disobeying the God that they love. What's worth most in their life is God. You're going to see this. And they stand up to the king. In Daniel chapter 3 though, Daniel won't be present. We think that's because Daniel was actually ruling uh, or running the king's palace as they were doing this celebration about 16 miles away. So let's land here with these five things in Daniel chapter 3. Five characteristics about the purification fire, all right? King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of solid gold. It was about 60 cubits high, nine stories, nine feet wide. Puts it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then he says this, he summons all the satraps. Prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates. Pretty much everybody who's who's who. It's like the the presidential inauguration. Imagine the nation of Babylon all going out and they're going to honor this. Now what he sets up, he says they're going to stand before it when the music plays. He has every kind of music orchestra. When it plays, everyone is to bow. Everyone is to. To bow. I first want to give you a first point that you know that you're in a fire that God has is putting you through. That's the testing of your faith. That's going to see what worth you have, is when it's visible for everyone to see. Let me let me explain. When I was um, growing up, we used to go in California to this uh, the middle of the state, San Joaquin Valley. We go to this place called Kings River and. It was always dry and arid, and so around the 4th of July, when we would go up there, you know, fireworks are illegal in, in California for obvious reasons, and I somehow found something. I found some, um, I think I purchased them somewhere, I don't remember. I was such a rebellious kid, and so I knew we were gonna, we always fired them off at Kings River at this hotel, and I had a youth leader at that time, was a bit wilder than myself, and so uh, we had found this kind of long pipe Someone last service asked me if it was a marijuana pipe. No. Um, It was a long, just post pipe, all right? And so I had this huge bottle rocket. Like, I had saved enough money for only a couple of them, and and I had kind of, I was going to shoot it up in the air, and he goes, oh, no, no, let's point it like that. And it was going to go across this river, and there was about an island about 25 feet wide, about three times as long as our building. And I had just had dry brush and trees on it, so sure enough, we light it, you know, and it goes right into the middle of the island. It goes, <clears throat> that's all it does. And you can just see us freeze. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, sure enough, a flame that within minutes, the whole island's on fire. And we're talking flames, seriously, about half to three-quarters high of this place. Now, you can imagine boats are coming flying to the fire department. I got a trash can, and people are just mad. Who in the blankety blank did this? And I'm like, I don't know, but they're terrible. They're horrible people, and I'm just putting this fire out. I mean, the whole resort—this, you could, there was a fire. It's, it's, it's when you get that email. I got two texts this weekend. My wife just had emergency ovarian cancer. Not mine. I'm saying I got that text. She has cancer. You get these texts, you get, we lost my job, you know, and it's something that everyone sees. I want you to know that you can start to sense it's a God set up, that he's putting you through something when it's a fire that everyone sees, one that God is just getting ready to purify and give you this great opportunity of growing your faith. May I say that all fires don't end well for some people. Sometimes people's faith squanders in the midst of it. We have an opportunity in a fire to be purified, but it really calls for us to recognize that and respond. Furious with rage, though, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not bow down. Three 16-year-old boys. That's why I love youth. Friends, our church is always going to get older. We have to intentionally grow younger, and we have to impart the values of our faith. You know how that's done? Not in Sunday school. It is in your home. More than Christian school, more than anything else, they say that your kids will be changed about how you live and walk through fires at home. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar makes this thing seven times hotter. And he asks him, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up? He goes, it's kind of like, I'm going to give you a second chance. And we know that he values, he's put investment in these three. Now again, Daniel's not here, it's just these three. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately in the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You know, reading this story, I kept thinking, what, what would I do if I'm in the Middle East right now? with a machete at my neck and saying, say there's no Jesus and we'll let you live. That story, friends, is, is real. There, there are people being faced with that every day in our world. What, what would I do? How, what's my faith worth? What's your faith worth? These guys are facing this right now, obviously in the midst of a whole nation, watching this fire unfold. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replies to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Oh, I love this. Why is it that so much of our Christian culture wants to defend itself? God, When God is at work, He doesn't need you to defend Him. It's great that we have answers. And do you realize when... T- When Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight, he's not saying fight people. He's saying the fight within yourself to hold on to the gift of faith. Friends, my struggle every week isn't fighting the world. It's fighting my own stuff. Fighting my own pride. Fighting my own struggle of sin. Fighting my own desire to to pull what's important to me. You don't need to defend it. And what I love about the three boys, we do not need to defend ourselves before you, Nebuchadnezzar. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand, but even if he does not, we want you to know. Talk about speaking. Talk about just saying it how it is. Listen, we appreciate the second chance. He is able to deliver us, and He can, but even if He doesn't, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of your gold you've set up. The second characteristic, fire clarifies our allegiance. When this purifying fire comes to your life, you have an opportunity, most likely, to speak it. It clarifies your allegiance. Last service, I mentioned it, but when uh, Trisha's mom Jan had cancer, and we were gathered in the home, and it was the last couple weeks of her life, I remember a lot of the family rallying, let's pray for your healing, let's muster more faith to see if we can help her be healed. And I can remember vividly her stopping everyone, almost with a little bit of tension, saying, wait a second, I'm not begging God or begging Jesus to heal me. He can heal me if he wills. Let us pray that God has his perfect will. What do you think Jan's faith was worth? So many people today say they love God only if he answers this. Only if he... I'll test God and see, right? It clarifies our allegiance So these young men, wearing robes and trousers, turbans, and their clothes were bound, and they were thrown into this furnace. The king's command was so urgent, the furnace was so hot, seven times hotter, they said, that the fire kills the soldiers trying to push them in. They're burned up. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Here's the the third. Fires have really bad odds. It's funny about fire, right? Really doesn't matter how hot a fire is to be burned by it. Pretty much fire's bad, right? You teach your kids that. Don't touch the fire. Oh, wait, this fire's a little bit cooler. You'll be good here. No, it's it's fire. And when there's a fire or a furnace in your life, often when God's at work, they're horrible odds. It's usually the news it's inoperable. We we can't fix this. This relationship is over. You've been fired. You will never be able to repay this debt. Whatever the the fire, the, the testing, the furnace God has in front of you, almost always they have odds that are really, really bad. Why do you think that is? I think it's so that you don't ever claim credit. I think God puts us through many of these fires so that you walk out of that other side and go, whoa, that was God. That, that was Him. Nothing else could explain what just unfolded. I think so much of us try to today, we try to figure out how to strategically get ourselves through fires and can we pray ourselves out of it and is there something wrong? I'll quiet time myself out of this. I'll give myself out of this. But maybe just God wants you in the fire. Because he wants everyone else to see. Could you just see everyone in Babylon going, ooh, bad for those three, right? Probably not good. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet in amazement and says to his advisor, or asks him, wait, wait, weren't there three guys that we tied up and threw in there? Wasn't there three? He's in shock. They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men. Not only see four men, which would be the first miracle, the second was, and they're walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. That had to be a shock, didn't it? Just that moment, that's a movie moment. Nebuchadnezzar, just raging with fury, stands up and like, what? What? I love, Tim Keller talks about this this last line. It says, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. He said the Hebrew word here used in the text to tell the story is a son of the Elohim. The name of God. Nebuchadnezzar blatantly idolatrous, blatantly pillaged Israel and mocked the God, who could, what God could ever save you, is now saying, I see the Son of Elohim. I mean, you need a road sign? Probably not to say, this points so much to the picture of Christ. The story that I'll tell a little bit later, I'll add to it, but That as Christians, we're promised that when we accept that blood sacrifice, fire isn't to destroy the sin in us because it's been paid for. Fire becomes a purifier and that we will never have to walk through the great fire. Hell itself. I'll be with you. Fires demand attention. Do you think this got Nebuchadnezzar's attention? All the important people of all of Babylon... Isn't it such a God set up, this fire? Everyone is watching. This wasn't like a private little ceremony. Everyone sees it. Friends, the fires in your life are set up so that God gets glory and He wants the world to see. I think a lot of what's going on in our world, God wants us to see. Because He wants His name glorified. He wants the credit and He wants everyone to know That his church, the bride, will be stronger because of it. More purified because of it. Nebuchadnezzar then approaches the opening of the blazing furnace and shouts, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Listen to this again. Servants of the Most High Elohim. Now he's become a pastor. I mean, he's like preaching, right? To his whole nation. Could you imagine hearing that as a follower? Wait a second. I thought it was the Sumerian God and the Babylonian God. He's now saying, servants of the Most High Elohim, come out. Come here. Nebuchadnezzar says, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command, were willing to give up their own lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against Elohim of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces. Uh, There's not a pretty picture, by the way, but cut into pieces in their houses and be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. Are you kidding me? The fires bring glory to God. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar is a changed person. He definitely see he, there is a change in him that is radical in this text. Could it be that the very fire that God has you in there this morning, God is waiting for you to proclaim His name, no matter what the outcome, so that at the end, a Nebuchadnezzar will stand and bring glory to him? What is your faith worth this morning? I mean, what, what is it really worth? If you say you're a Christ follower this morning, then fires are just part of, part of our journey as deepening our allegiance and deepening our faith and shaping our character and, and getting up more opportunities for people to see God in us. Rescue us, redeem us, revive us. That's the church. Not an hour and 15 minute service. That doesn't say we're anything special. Not a logo, not a piece of property, not programs, not music. It is when Elohim becomes the greatest worth in Christians' lives outside of these places. And you begin to walk through the furnaces and fires of your own life. What is he worth for you this morning? I want you to to just think about this as you listen to what this storyteller will talk about Susan and her worth about the name of Jesus.
1: At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. There's power in the name of Jesus. Take the third commandment for example. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. For years, I simply thought that meant not swearing or cursing, using the Lord's name, but I stumbled across a simple but incredible realisation. Because a more literal translation of that commandment actually reads, You shall not use the name of Yahweh for worthlessness. You shall not use the name of Yahweh casually, complacently, without respect, without value. It's the moment in time I realize that I actually break this commandment all the time and more often than not I break it at church how much value how much worth do you place on the name of Jesus as I thought through this it reminded me of a girl called Susan from Uganda she's 14 years old and from a strictly Islamic family one day a visiting speaker came to her school he spoke about this guy called Jesus who claimed he was a son of God and had come to save the world. And right there, Susan decided to give her life to Jesus. When she got home, her father found out and he was furious. In fact, on one occasion in broad daylight, he grabbed Susan and her younger brother and dragged them outside. He held a knife to their throat and said, Susan, if you do not stop going to church and worshipping God, I will kill you and your brother. But Susan didn't stop. Her father grabbed her. He took her to a room in their house and placed a mat on the floor. He told Susan to sit on that mat and do not move until you are willing to deny Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Her father turned around, walked out of the room and locked the door. Susan's father didn't return to that room for three months. The only way Susan survived was that while her father was out, her brother would dig a hole under the door. He would pour water into it for Susan to lap up. On occasion, he would fry up some banana and slide that under the door to his sister. After about three months, the neighbors began to wonder where Susan was and they asked her brother. He told them, and they immediately called the police. When they came they opened the door and they found Susan. She was sitting on the mat. She was alive but only just. You see the bones in her legs had began to grow and conform to the way she'd been sitting and she weighed 20 kilos. They grabbed her and rushed to the hospital where they began to rehabilitate her. When Susan was asked why she hadn't tried to escape, why she hadn't even left the mat. Without missing a beat, she replied, because my father said, if I was to leave that mat, I would be denying Jesus. And I couldn't do that. Worthlessness. It never even seemed to cross her mind, did it? This is exactly what the third commandment is about. A faith driven by a passion for God that realises not only to be in relationship with him but to be able to call on his name is among the most sacred privileges we have as Christians. A privilege the world can't conceive and a privilege that we so often take for granted. You shall not use the name of Yahweh for worthlessness. Susan wouldn't.
0: You don't wish any of those stories on anyone, but doesn't it quicken your soul? to ask the question, is Jesus worth that to us this morning? Is Jesus worth any fire that you might go through as a Christian outside of this place? Is Jesus worth it? I think so. I know many of you do. If you're a Christian this morning, it should just revive that spirit within us to to recognize that the promise that we get out of Daniel chapter 3 is that Jesus, the God, Elohim, will never, we will never have to walk through a great fire, and the small fires, the small furnaces in this life that we go through, he'll be with us. And so we'll get in a moment, for those of you who have claimed him, Lord, as your life, we get a chance to go to the corners of the room and take communion but that'll do on the second song. On this first song, I want to speak now to those of you who don't know God. You might have grown up around religion, you might know about God. You have some answers about God, but what when we even talk this morning is he the greatest of worth in your life? You might even question that. See, the scriptures say very clearly that the only way that we escape that great fire in the end is through Jesus Christ paying the price of our own sin for us. And then there's this promise in Isaiah 43 that says, When when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And listen to this when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not set you ablaze. When you know Jesus, these fires are just part of the journey to bring him glory. Part of the journey that grows us deeper in love with him. Part of the journey for us to proclaim once again his great love and allegiance to him. Have you done them this morning? Dana's going to sing a song that really is, we love you. We love Jesus. If you're a Christian this morning, Stay seated and just sing. If you don't know Christ this morning, I, without gunpoint and machete, like many are having today, you get a chance to stand up in a safe place and say, I want to make him Lord of my life this morning. You have that chance. Will you listen to this and just stand in your seat? And I'll pray with you at the end of this song.
2: Yes, you're breaking it down And all of the lies That echo my past You're breaking them down Yes, you're breaking them down All of my sin That's clouding my mind You're breaking it down Yes, you're breaking families we need you we need Jesus in the hearts of our homes in the hearts of our family
0: for those of you standing stay standing and just it's an amazing thing for you to stand up and proclaim allegiance to him and the promise that you have in scripture is that he said he now covers and you'll never have to walk through the great furnace you have freedom in Christ and to go and sin no more and you claim that blood sacrifice and the fires of this world that will come are there to give him glory to purify that faith in you And so your prayer this morning as you pray in your own words to God simply is this, that I surrender, God, to you. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's of greatest worth to me. In Jesus' name. As this next song goes now, especially for for you that are standing, you have a chance to go to really, I'd call first communion. It's the communion you get to go now be reminded of the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ that allows us the freedom. And so, Christians, will you go and celebrate that? If you don't know Him, just sit down and listen to the music. But those of us who know Jesus get to celebrate that this morning. Amen? Let's take communion together.